Sky Developer Live, episode 40. Oh, we've reached 40 episodes. It's usually about this point that I decide I'm bored of the name and we scrap the podcast and start all over again. But we're going to keep plugging on with this one for at least another, I don't know, three episodes? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, that will all depend on how fed up I get with my co-host, Mr. John Fox. Why would you be fed up with me, Scott? I thought you liked me just because I showed up at the very last moment and there are kids in the background making noise. Why would you hate me? I mean, there's the 11th hour and then there's the 11th hour and then 59 minutes and then there was you today. <laughs> well, hold a second. Well, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just showing, similar to the Union of Concerned Scientists, just how close we are to the end of the world. I keep showing up you know, closer and closer to the actual time and when the, when the show starts. Now, uh, I understand that it's, it's a holiday where you are, and um, you have a house full of kids. Yes, today is Lunar New Year, so um, listen, San Francisco has a huge Chinese population. The public schools have that day off. Right, so this is just one that you're, you're doing there. There we are. So if we hear lots of screaming in the background, it's not you. No, it's them reacting positively to what we're discussing. I mean, you know, when I told them Daddy was going to talk about ARC and... and in-app purchases and, and uh, things like that. He was like, oh, wow, great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Well, let's get some sense into this show by bringing the guest on. It's what everyone comes here for. They don't really come here for us, John. It's just uh, we know that we are just a, a mere flimsy casing around the talent that we have on this show. And today's talent is Mr. Andreas Linda. How, how are you doing, Andreas? Hello, everybody. I'm great. Um, I'm happy to be there. Thanks for having me. It's which, which, I was part, going to ask, which, which part of sunny Germany are, do you find yourself in right now? I am in the area of Stuttgart, southern part of Germany. And so does every citizen of Stuttgart get their own free Porsche? <laughs> uh, I wish I would, but uh, I guess nobody does. But now, it's a great place. Now, the German economy is about the only place in Europe that's doing any good at all at the moment, isn't it? So um, this maybe explains why you are being a successful businessman and while the rest of us are just falling into oblivion. Well, it depends. The Germans uh, would rather say the economy is declining. So it always depends on the point of view. Yeah, well, let's not, let's not turn this into a politics and economics show because um, <laughs> we're, we're rubbish enough doing what we do, let alone we're going to add some more subjects to it. <laughs> so, right. Let's go ahead. Right, okay, let's, uh, let's just start with the news this week. Um, the news was Ennis Conference went on sale last week and um, within an hour of the show being finished, um, it had sold out. So, um, firstly, a great big thank you to everybody who bought tickets. Um, a great big sorry to everyone who didn't get tickets and um, there is a waiting list that's gone up on the site today so um, if some tickets become available we think a few will over the next uh, uh, day or two or, or obviously through cancellations then um, it, it, they'll go out to the waiting list and the order people sign up so please do go sign up on the waiting list um, I'm not promising anything your odds are very slim but um, but there we are but thank you very much for everyone who uh, signed up now yeah, this does present as a co- uh, um, a problem that you know one of the things that people love about NS conference is it's small um, and so we could find a new venue we could add another 500 places but then it wouldn't be NS conference so um, and yet we know that you know C4 had similar problems that there were lots of people who couldn't get in and then it seemed you know as uh more and more friends of the conference got their invites it became a bit more exclusive and we don't want that to happen either so but we are putting our brains to how we 
solve the problem and let more people have NS Conference goodness, but making sure it is NS Conference goodness, not NS Conference badness, um, they get. So if you have any opinions on that, I'd love to hear from you. Um, Scotty at iDeveloper TV or Scotty at NSConference.com or Scotty at probably any random domain you care to pick, probably by the amount of money I spend with domain registrars. Um, and uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, but John, you got in. I did, but that's only because I, I slept with the right people. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Dave, are you around today? <laughs> I'm not good. He's not here, and I'm not telling you why. <laughs> no, Dave decided that I did such a good job the last two weeks that he's going to go home early on Mondays and leave me to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's my friends for you. Okay. Right, so uh, uh, that's NS Conference, so please uh, do pass stuff on. Right, okay, um, last uh, week we had uh, Rich Warren on. Uh, I thought it was a really good episode. Um, another talented guest with a thin wrapper around him. Um, and we put a book drawer up. I said we'd put three copies up, but actually um, I've put that up to five. And I did the draw just before we came on air. We're waiting for John to turn up. And so... Um, uh, congratulations to uh, Philippe Casgrain, Nicholas Sears, Dave from 256 Apps, Matt Stevens, Sasmiti Adebawa, Adebowo, sorry, and uh, David Ronquist. You should have all received emails telling you how to get those books. Congratulations. Go make great apps. But not until after this show, of course. John, you got any news for us this week? Because, of course, I wouldn't know because I haven't spoken to you yet before now. This is like, you know, show prep. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't have any news other than I'm happy, as I'm sure other people who followed along, those who uh, you know wrote their congressmen and senators and signed online petitions. It seems like the EPA and SOPA acts, at least in their their current form, have been shelved. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that that we 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 are in a game of whack a mole. So we whacked one mole, and we have to kind of figure out how to to to, to solve this problem a little bit better. A game of whack a mole. So. <laughs> Yeah, I love your ability to bring the uh, infinitely complex down to the child level. <laughs> Which is the natural level you obviously work out, so it's not really a problem for you, is it? There we go. Okay, um, right. Uh, before we uh, talk to you, Andres, you got any news that you've heard or thing that's sort of taken of interest to you in the uh, software developer community this week? Well, I guess the biggest news uh, everybody's discussing and talking about is iBooks and the licensing. So- iBooks author. Yeah, so so what what are your okay um, putting you on the spot here? But maybe people haven't heard the announcement um, from from last week. Uh, we're not asking you to be one hundred percent accurate, but as you just brought <laughs> it up, uh, yeah, just just give us a very very quick brief overview of, of what you're talking about there. So basically, Apple announced a uh, new authoring tool for this textbook feature they introduced last week, and um, everybody's talking about the license and the Euler as we call it in Germany, um, that you're not allowed to, uh, to distribute or sell products that you create with the iBooks author app uh, with other vendors or publishers. So you have to sell it on iBooks or nowhere else. So that's the critics um, that I read on Twitter or on the web and all around, that people are not happy with that. And I'm assuming that the the uh, it, Apple is sticking with their standard thirty percent just to keep everything simple. Right, right. That's that's all the same. So basically, what I'm saying, you can write a book, but you're only allowed to publish it through one uh, one channel if you choose to use our free tools. Right. If you choose to distribute it by uh, for free, you can do whatever you want. But if you want to sell it, you have to choose the iBook store. I think. 
we have to, to, to make one other little bit of precision. It's, it's the, the output of it. I mean, they're right. not in any way trying to claim your, your content, but if you use their tool to be able to, to build the, the book with the, the speed and quality that the, the tool, the free tool allows you to do, the end product of that is, is what is, 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 you know, governed by the, by the, the OILA. Um, right. If you want to, if you want to, you know, and, and the other thing I should point out is that it's, it's an assembly tool. It's a layout tool. It's similar to Quark Express or, or InDesign much faster. You wouldn't really want to use that to, to write the book, nor would you necessarily use the, that application exclusively for, for authoring the components of it, you know, the, the, the animations, the 3D models and stuff like that. It's an assembly book. So, I don't know. I think people have their panties, you know, wrapped up. Right tightened up a little bit too much. Yeah, my initial impression is the same. I mean, if Apple wished to put out a free tool to say we will assist you in producing books to sell through our platform, that's fine, isn't it? It's up to them. There are other ways of producing ebooks and electronic books and whatever else. So if you don't want to distribute just on uh, through the iBooks channel, then use one of them. It's not like it's not like they're saying you know, you you are now banned from the uh, publishing e-publishing world because we're putting this EULA in place. We're saying, hey, here's a great tool to help you work on our platform. Yeah, right. I guess uh, like people are uh, nitpicking on the the small details as it was when the App Store came out and Apple announced seventy percent for the developer and thirty for themselves. So people are a little bit like going crazy on small things and. Uh, maybe also don't know what the reality is out there for developers or for publishers today writing books. So it's for me, it's a little bit confusing since it seems uh, developers uh, speak out without knowing what the reality is. I wouldn't say I uh, or point out my own opinion since I don't have one, since I don't know what the comparison is. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think, um, however... With that said, I think that the iBooks uh, do itself, the iBooks author has created a bit of a stir because you can create some stunningly good stuff. Uh, again, not, not the content because that's up to you to, to generate, but you can put some content together in some stunning ways without you know, a lot of um, skill or, or, or hard work. Um, and so it is going to be about, you know, I could produce this great stuff really quickly if I only release through here and go for more dull stuff elsewhere or have a lot more work to do it. Um, so I, I guess although I can see the fairness of, you know, I can't see a problem technically with the license agreement, if that's what it says, I can understand the dilemma that it might cause. <laughs> right, okay. Um, Andres, we've been talking to you for sort of five, ten minutes now, and we haven't even asked you who you are. I mean, how how, <laughs> how, how rubbish are we? How trashy are we as, as, as uh, show hosts? And it's still because John was late and he's thrown me off my game and my normal no, professional we, slick self is, is just not no. functioning properly. I reject that. It's because we are, we are already best friends forever. We've been trading numerous emails, and uh, I, Andres and I go back... Uh, days at least at least at least days and therefore he feels totally okay to be abused on this show so andres let's move back a step let's let's be polite let's be uh, (laughs) let's let's be proper here um who the heck are you (laughs) (laughs) well uh you know my name already which is andreas linde um i'm from germany um software developer um working as an independent since one and a half years, hardly. Um, 
writing software since 20 years, since my school time. And um, I came into Cocoa and Mac and iOS development when the iPhone came out and thought I have to start developing again instead of only doing like project management stuff in a big company. And um, wrote some nice apps, um, I hope, and wrote some open source stuff, and which brought me here today. Brilliant. And uh, we are here today to talk about um, uh, one of your inventions, which is? Hockey app. Okay, hockey app. So um, what is hockey app? Let's start there. That's got to be the first question. So you're back on my professional mode. <laughs> Andreas, what is hockey app? Hockey app basically is a um, developer service, um, which tries or hopes to help um, in certain aspects of the, of the development process when dealing with mobile apps, Android, sorry, but also, and iOS, but also desktop applications written for the Mac. Um, so we cover some aspects for beta testing and help the process and distribution for better versions of your apps. But we also cover a, a very important topic, which is crash reporting. Like don't developers don't want their apps to crash. And when I started developing and learning Cocoa, my apps did crash a lot. And I didn't know why, because I didn't know the rules. Memory management was hard. So um, we came up with some, some open source projects, some tools um, over the years. And last year we decided that's not enough because people don't want to host um, their own servers to collect data. Um, they want to like, use a service which is out there and specialists can do their best to help them. So we decided to put my open source projects together and develop a hosted service for bug reporting, crash reporting, and um, hopefully more over time. So, so this is a service that basically um, is primarily going to be used by developers when their, their apps are in uh uh, beta or beta, depending on which part of the world you come from. Um, they're looking at new releases. There's there's stuff that's like the, you know they're trying to track down problems. Um, they need to be handing it out to a group of people to do that with. Is, is that is that a fair assumption? I, w- I would say that's about fifty percent at max. Uh, what we do because we don't let the developers uh, like stay in the dark once they release it on the app stores um, and. This is like at least 50% um, of importance for developers to know how they how their apps do in the wild. So crash reporting, especially when your app is released, is a very, very big part of our service of Hockey App. Okay, you've, you've touched on it. You've mentioned it several times. You obviously think it's right. important. You know, right. um, you know, crash reporting, you know... <laughs> I guess it's a stupid question in some ways to say why do I care um, because my, my you know my app crashes but you know why would I so I guess why would I look to a service like yours to help me with crash reporting you know what am I going to gain or what's it going to bring me that I'm not going to get from you know a user right. emailing me saying your app sucks it crashes <laughs> <laughs> right like you, you get reviews on the iTunes app store like your app sucks it crashes and you stay in the door and say I don't get any crash reports so the first question is why don't I get any crash reports there's iTunes Connect from Apple which is supposed to deliver them to the developers but if you look in there um, you hardly see any and most developers would say well I'm great am I not I don't have any crashes 
but then you see those reports, you get emails, and you get frustrated. So the first question um, developers should, should ask themselves is, why don't I see anything in iTunes Connect? And this is basically because crashes get synced to Apple servers when the devices get synced to iTunes. That is pre-iOS 5. And only if the um, device owners agreed on a, on a dialogue which appeared when setting up the device. And this dialogue basically says, do you agree sending anonymous data and usage information to Apple? Well, most people say no, because they're afraid. So you never end up with crash reports on the Apple service, which is for free when, when you have a developer account. Um, so that is one big problem. You don't get the data, even though there is some infrastructure provided by Apple. And um, you also care because you want to know as soon as possible if there is a huge problem. So, like, give me an example. Oh, let me give an example, let's say. Um, my app, Worldview, which is a webcam app, it's a free and a paid edition, and I added um, iAd support for the free edition. And I forgot to test on iOS 3. It crashed. All my devices were already on iOS 4. But I couldn't, I couldn't know. So um, I looked up in iTunes Connect, nothing. For two weeks, there was no crash in iTunes Connect. But I luckily did, had my own open source framework integrated with Peer Crash Reporter as a foundation, uh, another great open source project. And um, I could see 400 crash reports coming in within an hour. All right, so let me go there. So iTunes Connect had one after a few weeks, and you saw 400 in an hour through. Right. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. And I luckily was able to like turn off a switch on the server to turn off iAd. And the crashes were gone, and I was like, could be easily and, and quietly solve the issue. But the, the most important thing is I have to know about the, the problem I have out there. And the only way to know that is to collect the data, and you have to collect it yourself. Okay, so Hockey App, one of the things it's giving you is um, a crash reporting system. I'm assuming we're putting something into our code, and that talks back to an account we have on your servers. Right. So the app crashes, um, users start it again. They're usually developers choose to choose to like show a dialogue. Um, your app crashed. Is there? Uh, are you willing to send or submit uh, anonymous information to the server to develop so you can fix the problem? And people can say yes, no, or always. So, and then the data gets sent to the server to Hockey App, and uh, the server symbolicates the crash. So we translate all the, this is a standard crash format with all the threads and all the binary images that you usually know from the Apple crash reports. And we symbolicate all the hex addresses into classes, methods, and line numbers. So we exactly know where the crash happens. So, I mean, that's interesting. So you still have a dialogue that the user has to say yes or no to. Right. Um, but you feel because the dialogue is being asked, um, almost you know, at the point or straight after the crash, it, the user is more likely to say yes than that generic dialogue that Apple just gives you at one point. Right. There's, there's one point dialogue you never, you never agree to because it's only once and you're scared because information is not very accurate. Uh, so 
people restart the app right away. You, you, you should never do anything when, when the app crashes. This is horrible. Never do that. The, the, you want to collect the data as safe as possible, and then people will restart because they don't know what happened. They don't understand what a crash is. Most users out there don't know what a crash is. So you ask them on the next start, and you'll get the data. Uh, some developers choose to not show the dialogue and automatically submit the crash report. So the framework is open to whatever you, you choose. But and, you should and, that, and that gets past the Apple review, does it? Yes. Of course. Well, in the Apple review, if the app crashes, they won't submit it to the App Store. They will reject it, right? Yeah, but I mean, the point is, do they not... So Apple have never come back and said, you have code that is passing information back to a developer without the user's permission, and therefore we're not, we're not uh, right. allowing that app through. Right, so, so what we say is um, you have to give the users the options. If you do it via settings, if you do it using the dialogue, well, it's in your responsibility. We suggest, we highly suggest to show the dialogue. Okay, so because it's a user-configurable thing in the app, that mm -hmm. gets it past the review process. Right. Okay. Right. Or did I get? I didn't get the question. I guess. No, no, no. That's that's fine. No, I, it's fine. <laughs> you did. You answered the question. Um, okay. So one one benefit is you seem to get um, more frequent uh, and the user allows more crash reporting um, than just going through the Apple stuff. Um, okay, that is good in its own right. But once I get these crash reports, I mean, do I, is there right. you know more we can do with them right. through your service than we would yes. normally do? So. Uh, what, what existed before, like, uh, if, if I remember right, Kovala was doing that. They showed the dialogue and then sent an email with the crash report attached. So you get a crash report, you, you get the email, you have to extract it, run the simplification process, and if you tried it once with Xcode, you know, it's, it's slow and often fails. So what we do on Hockey App is we collect all the crash reports, we group them together by similarities, so we analyze the crash report. And... Um, like, for example, we take out the exception information and know what what happened. We take out the, uh, the threat that crashed and, and strip off the Apple frameworks. So you easily see where the crash happens. And we group all crashes with the same information into one, one group. We call it crash group. And the next step is, and as an afterburner, basically, if you upload the DISM bundle, which contains all the debug information and translates the hex addresses from the crash reports to, as I said, classes, methods, line numbers. Um, those crashes will all be processed on the server side. And then you'll see, like, after a minute or a few minutes, sometimes depends on the load, um, you will see the exact class line number where your crash happened. So you can dig in your code and check what's happening there. And... Um, as a bonus, if you don't, or like if that's not enough information, um, you can add log information aside the crash yourself. So if you're logging your own stuff in the application, you, know, you can use some delegate methods and append more information for your own preference for analysis. That sounds really, really useful. I like the idea that so you upload all your debug symbols and it does some of the pre-processing and sorting out work for you. That's really cool. Right. Um, just let the chat room know, I am watching your questions go by. Um, I'm going to let Andres carry on and continue to explain. And then what we will do is we'll pick up um, the questions that he hasn't answered just during the normal stuff towards the end or in the relevant segment. Yeah. Um, so I'm keep the questions coming, chat room. I'm not ignoring you. It's, uh, you are not wasting your time. 
well, no more than you normally are listening to this show anyway. Um, okay, so it's, uh, um, yeah, it's, so this is good. So this, this is go, obviously goes beyond just um, uh, beta or beta testing. This is right. something you want out there all the time and you get uh, a load of information. Right. Um, but, uh, and that's that good. Sorry, well, I, 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 can, I can promise you, you get thousands, hundreds and thousands of crash reports over time that you never saw, never, ever. Because you never found them in beta testing, even with hundreds of hours of testing, they never appear, but they will for sure appear in the wild, and you get the data. And so this framework will go into an iOS or a Mac app, so you can, you can employ this in, in, in a Mac app as well. It's not, right. We're not just talking about mobile devices here. Correct. So uh, it works differently. Like on iOS, we are, we're using the PL Crash Reporter framework, which I mentioned earlier, from Lantern Fuller, which is a fantastic framework for catching the, the accurate crash information. Since we can't get the crash report uh, from iOS, it's outside of the sandbox. On the Mac, on the other side, this framework doesn't work on 64-bit. So what we're doing there is we, we fetch the crash report that the Mac wrote, and we send that to the server. Which is a problem on sandboxing and Lion, but there currently you can use some except, uh, how do you call them, Entit entitlements, you can add some exception rules. So the app gets access to that folder where the crash reports are stored in. All right. Yes. So, so if, if we, when sandboxing becomes compulsory within uh, Mac App Store applications, basically you will get around this by applying for permission to access them. Right. Right. Well, that's currently the only solution that is out there. That's out there because peer crash reporter doesn't work on sixty-four bit. Right. Sadly. Okay. I, I mean, you would. It's a separate product, I guess, so you're hoping right. that one day it will do. Yeah, we are working on it. We're looking for some solutions. Okay, so we have crash reporting and crash report analysis. I love the way it groups crash reports. That sounds, it sounds great that you, know, you can see that I've had you know, 700 reports that are giving me this error or, right, or, right. or 200 reports giving me this error as opposed to just knowing I've got 900 crash reports. You know, all that stuff sounds great. Um, and to me, that sounds why it's, people should be worth investigating this anyway. But it, you know, there, Hockey App does more. There's one thing I w want to add here. It's very important to, to crash reporting right. So there are some crash reporting other libraries out there. Um, so what people should do is they should test the crash reporter. And Landon Fuller, who wrote Peter Crash Reporter, wrote an exceptionally great um, blog post in September 2011 called Reliable Crash Reporting. And he highlighted three cases, um, like three problems that could appear if you don't do it right and with some examples so whatever you're using out there make sure to test to check that to read that blog post check those um, examples and make sure your crash report doesn't make it worse okay if, if you could supply us the link to that we'll make sure it goes right. into the uh, into the show notes i will Okay, so um, just going to pick up on a question because we're, we're coming to come right. towards the end of crash reporting here. Mm -hmm. um, so I just realised I'm nowhere near the front of my microphone. Dave's going to kill me tomorrow. Um, okay, so over the uh, the crash reporting, does it go over Wi-Fi and 3G if it's on a phone or is it yes. Wi-Fi only? Yeah, okay, so that, that's answered that question. We've answered the question about sandboxing. Um, okay, so um, are we done on crash reporting? Should we move on? Sure. John, do you have any questions on that before we move on? 
No, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited about this because I did have a look at it. And, and, and to me, this is like shine for developers. If, if you ship an app and you're at all serious about it, if you don't use this framework, you're a fool. Okay, so we've got crash reporting. We could probably stop right now and say, yeah, this, 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 is, this is good stuff, but, you know. Um, but wait, and, there's more. Wait, there is more. <laughs> and, and it's not just one more thing. So no, we, we're not even at that bit yet. So, um, you know, uh, what, what should we look at? What should we look at next, Andreas? I'll, I'll leave that to your call. Well, I, I have to wait. I have here ready for a smooth transition. Oh, go on now, if, sure. you're, if you're having lots of crash reports, maybe one possibility is that you did not adequately test your application. And if you don't have your, in your own house you know, a, a large number of devices with all the different versions of the operating systems out there, what could you possibly do to, in order to, to kind of look for these problems before your app ships? Could it be that, that a good solution for producing quality applications is to have beta testers, and, and in particular beta testers who are not necessarily the world's most sophisticated users, but are the casual users who are the ones that you really want to make sure your software performs well? What if it was possible to be able to enable lots of people to test your application easily? Wouldn't that be a cool thing to add to your product? John, this is why you earn the big bucks. He's a very intelligent man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sending that, Andreas. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. Sure. You should you should test. But um, I, I have some personal feelings about beta testing. I gave a talk in Denver uh, last September on 360 IDEV uh, about beta testing um, because I think beta testing is not QA, and you shouldn't expect QA from your beta testers. What you can expect from them is getting lots of test time, lots of usage out in the wild, and get some random problems in case of crashes um, that you can't, didn't test yourself. And you get like tested, like um, you support Russian, for example, or English or Spanish, and you have testers from that countries. They test your localization. So um, I had like in my, my app, um, Spanish localization was just... Some semicolon missing. I never saw it in the compiler or the linker or any, anywhere in Xcode. And I had no tester for Spanish. I never tested it myself. So what the important message there is on beta testing is you get to know what is tested and what is not tested, like which device combination is important for your app because you support iOS 4 and the iPad first version. And nobody tested it at least once. So you, you know when you do proper testing, you get the data and you know that you have to at least start it and invoke it once on your device and try some simple things on it. So get some of the variety which is out there tested and helped on, but don't expect to get Q&A with proper like testing within the next 24 hours for 60 minutes at least uh, they will spend time on your app because as you said they are just users out there and even other developers Scotty would you have time to test a lot of apps uh, no I'm afraid you know it's uh, I don't get time to test the ones I'm doing but myself, you want let, your alone, let alone somebody else's right but you want your apps to be tested right oh too right yeah it's really an, an annoying apps that crash Especially on launch, that drives me mad. Oh, oh yeah, that's bad. That's a bad one. So, but you have to like if you if you have a list, a a, a summary, like which combination of device and iOS version, for example, is tested, 
then you can use that before releasing to make your own test plan better. I mean, to me, that's the, the one of the things is that, yeah, developers don't really get time to test other people's stuff unless it's a developer tool they're really keen on. Right. Um, and although we might go on each other's beta programs, we don't really do a lot of real testing most of the time. It depends what the app is, but most of the time. Right. Um, but equally, if I am, I'm not going to be testing it on, you know, uh, you know, seven different devices and whatever else. I'm going to probably be running on the latest hardware, the latest OS, because I'm a developer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, getting it out there into the hands of other people who who have lots of different devices is is just wise, I would say. Right. So so what we are doing on Hockeyapp to, to improve that is that um, we let, like, developers and users choose if they, like, want to set up an account or not. You can join testing an app if the developer allows it without setting up an account on Hockey App. I, in my app, I have like people working in churches or on a farm or whatever all around the world, and they're not that familiar with setting an up account on every single service they visit. They're afraid of it. So, But I still want them as a tester because then I get real feedback from real users depending on my app, if it's not a techie app, but I get that feedback that I need. So what Hockey App tries to do is, is give some flexibility. You can install the SDK, which is open source, or like all SDK for, from Hockey App is open source. You can install that and use that and track more data, or you cannot. You can give the user the option to track some data like usage time, send, send anything or nothing to the server, or you can enforce it in your app. So we try to, to be as flexible as possible and not force testers into something that they might not want to do. You can still enforce it as a developer, but that's your choice. It's not a must from the service. I have a question. Yes. Is it possible when you detect a cat with a crash or something that is maybe the uh, a little bit irregular that you can send a, a essentially a screen grab of, of, of the app as it's being displayed or is that something that you want to do because it seems creepy or or not possible? So, so as I said earlier with crash reporting you, you should never ever think of doing anything other than collecting safely the crash information when the when the app crashes. So no you, you should not even try and think of getting a screenshot at a time. What you could do is, like what I'm doing in my app, um, I'm logging events and screen switches, basically, an extra file. So I know the user did, went on bookmarks, and went on search, then went on full screen, and so on. And I attach that information to the crash report. Right. I, I guess what I, I mean, it, it caught my, my, my ear, the, the, the problem with localization. You know, that, that right, because but, I wonder that, that, that you know you can you can simulate you know the different combinations. Right. But I mean, I imagine certain types of apps there are lots of settings for like currency and date, and right. there's, it's unlikely to be able to do it. And I was imagining that there could be something you could do maybe during the test period where the people who, who you were actually in communication knew that if you you know press Control Alt Delete on your iPhone, <laughs> it would bring right. up a panel that would give the user the chance to. I, I'm looking into such things for a long time, and the biggest problem there is which gesture or which action would you activate and uh, like not block a app-specific gesture that way. Right. Like long, hold, long press with four fingers, for example. 
for two seconds. That might work. I'm trying that with my app, but it's tough because like, there's nothing safe out there for that. An 11 finger swipe. Um, try that on the iPhone too, but it's not consistent and doesn't work reliably. <laughs> So you've tested it then, right? Right. <laughs> so so, so um, this the distribution stuff, the the beta stuff. Are we still talking um, iOS and OS ten, or are we? Uh, this is this is iOS and Android right now, but we are working on Sparkle support for Mac. Okay. So uh, that's something we want to want to provide in the future too. Okay, so so we've got crash reporting. We've got um. Uh, the, the the beta stuff um, and and there's one more thing in the beta stuff there is one more thing in Sorry. the beta not just one more thing overall one more thing just in the beta stuff carry right. on right right so um, last year in August no was it 2010 2010 in August um, the first version of the the SDK for beta testing came out and I was inspired by a blog post um, writing about this enterprise distribution thing so there was a blog post saying okay you don't need to write this plist file and host it on the server which has a link and people can visit a, a website and install the beta version and I thought this is not enough because I encourage my beta testers to use the app as it if it would be from the app store so they're not using the app store version. They're only always using the beta version. And I don't want to spam them with emails. So some, some uh, subscribe to the um, discussion group on Google for my, for my app testing. Some don't. But how do I notify them? So, and then I introduced the first version of HockeyKit, what's it called, uh, of in-app updates. So the app checks on startup against the server. Is there an update? And if there's an update for this user, so you can restrict for device UDIDs, like this update is only for the designers, this is only for this tester, and so on. And then a, a dialog will appear. They can directly say install or check the details, and they will get an App Store-like UI with the app icon, with the app name, with the install button, and the release notes for all previous versions. So they see what I missed or what changed and can install it right from within the app. And the second thing is, uh, when beta testing and, and distributing apps, um, you, can, you know, as a developer, you can resign those IPA packages with your own key. And so, like, I get hold on a, a super fantastic app I'm not supposed to test. I just resign it with my key, and I can try it out. So it leaked somewhere. So we introduced a feature that checks against the server if this device UDID is allowed to try the app. So if you resign, start the app, there's a locking screen, and if the test doesn't pass, the app will just won't work. So you're assu assuming some connectivity when apps are being run there? Right. If you enforce that check, you, you ha well, you have to have connectivity to install the app, and usually That's people true. install or start right after installing. Right? So you could assume that there is connectivity available. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, okay, um, yeah, we have crash reporting, we have uh, beta testing, we have a whole bunch of um, analytics that come with all of that stuff right. uh, and everything else. So let's assume that, you know, I'm sat here now and I'm saying, oh, this is great, I really want to, to do this and try this. And so I go across to the website 
and uh, I sign up, I create an account. Um, okay, just sort of, you know, walk us through it a little bit. You know, what, what's involved? Um, you know, what am I, I want all this stuff. What do I have to do to make this work? How much coding am I going to have to do? How much work am right. I going to have to do on, on my account on the website? Yeah, you know, am I going to have to stand on my head and wave a chicken to get it all going? <laughs> you know, that, that sort of stuff. Just walk us through the process of how right. I might set this lot up. Um, so basically, you set up a trial account for one month and you create an app, which is like, say, okay, I have an app, which is a beta version, um, which I want to handle here. You download the SDK, which is a, a, a package, a zip file, which is can extract. And you just add one line of code, which is displayed within the app that you created on the website. You can, like, there's documentation for integration hints on how, what to do exactly. Each app that you create gets an unique identifier. And so you, you copy in the code, your repository, you include the frameworks. It's all documented there. Um, which is like five minutes at max, I would say, if you're used to it even faster, quicker. So um, you add that line and you run the app. Um, you can you build it, you test it probably, and then upload the the test version. So there is a there are several possibilities to upload a new test version. The easiest one for the beginners is to just to go to the website. There's a drop zone. You just drop in the iPod. So you create the IPA file on your Mac with Xcode, do the steps to create, to get it, and then drag it in there, upload it, and you'll get a page link, a website um, that you can share with people. So just distribute that link, and people can download your app. That's basically the start. I mean, so that's obviously that's the most simple way. I mean, but you can be up and running that fast. Pardon me. That's a, a very simple way, and obviously, there's not you've not restricted things there or said right. whatever else. But the point is, you've just got that sort of process up and running quite quickly. Right, right. Um, we try to do a very good documentation. So, in the knowledge base, you see some like documentation with screenshots to work to click on Xcode and organizer and all that stuff to get the process done smoothly. And when sending out the link, um, testers can. Like if they open the link on the web on a on a Mac or on PC, they get another user interface than if they open it on a device. So it's all um, adjusted basically, and you can register your devices as a tester and so on. It's all integrated. It's like people are saying in the chat, like, is it like test flight and so on? So that part is is pretty much like test flight, registration of devices and distribution of the app with the one major change. You don't have to create an account. It's pretty open in that sense. Uh, okay, um, we're having the question in the chat room about uploading right. Mac, Mac apps, but you're saying the, the beta testing stuff doesn't currently work for Mac apps, that's only iOS so Correct. at the moment. Um, but how do you envisage that working? You just upload your app and it's done? Right, right. so basically you have to integrate the Sparkle framework on the Mac, and Sparkle requires a, um, a URL, which it checks against for a new feed, it's RSS-like, which... Uh, contains all the information that it needs to determine if there's a new version, if the release to get out the release notes, and so on. So, what Hockey App will provide is just a specific link for Sparkle that you integrate. That's it. Once uploaded. Okay, the moment I put Sparkle, shine, right? If you use Shine, you would have that URL for you. For example, Pardon? I, don't if if, I don't know if you're familiar with Shine. It's a it no. was developed we had on here. Uh, 
who has a, a kind of a dashboard for Mac developers for managing sales and, and Sparkle okay. updates. And, but if you're saying that your software would eventually have a, a place where you could paste in a, a Shine, uh, you know, sorry, a Sparkle URL, then you'd be good to go, right? Right. So the the Hockey App dashboard will show you the URL that you have to 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 add. That that's on the horizon. It's not implemented. It's not finished yet. But it's work in progress. Uh, okay, I know we're talking about you know work that's not done yet, and most developers don't like doing that. But I'm going to ask a question anyway. <laughs> um, you know, if I put Sparkle in my Mac app, I can't put it in the Mac App Store. Right. So you do two builds. You have usually like um, you. Lots of developers sell on the Mac App Store and sell beside in their own store. So they have Sparkle versions. It's just another target. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, we, you're just saying yeah, you just need to make sure you don't include the sparkle in the final build. And right. Right. Sparkle's and only there for updating, and it doesn't affect anything else. There surely is a an open topic for iCloud-based Mac apps, which are apps or only. So we haven't looked that detailed in that topic yet, but we'll sure have to do that. So, like, you have you want to have entitlements set up, you need the sandbox for iCloud testing and so on, as far as I know. So you can't use, maybe you can't use Sparkle on that part. So we don't know yet that detailed. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit unfair to be asking you uh, how it's going to work when you haven't released it yet. Right. So, uh, but I assume you're going to have to work it out because you're going to get beta testers through um, Hockey App, I'm guessing. Hopefully. <laughs> to do it. Um, Okay, so uh, just to confirm there, uh, Simon Wolf in the chat room, and let's everybody say hello to Simon. Hello, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to give a shout out, while we're on the show, well, I want to give a shout out to Tim Eistead today as well. He's home in bed ill and he's listening live, hoping that this will um, make him feel better. So I, I think a big ah for Tim. Ah. There we are, that's better. Okay, um, where were we? <laughs> Um, there were some questions, I guess. There was, but I've totally lost them with my sympathy for Tim. So, <laughs> so <laughs> someone else. I, I can see one. So, Sparkle isn't needed for crash reporting, just for beta testing. Correct. Um, Sparkle and one part of the iOS SDK is only for beta testing for in-app updates, and for crash reporting, there's a separate framework. Now, of course, you said the, the frameworks themselves are all open source frameworks. So really right. what you've done is, is created the backend system to hold them all together. Um, uh, we also created open so. source frameworks. <laughs> okay. But as a, as a, yeah, that's true. Um, as a, uh, you know, the bit that we're paying for as such, which we'll come right, up to the moment, right. is, is that sort of, okay, yeah, these are great, but, you know, what are you going to do with all the right. stuff that comes out of them? Let us help you do it. Oh, well, both frameworks contain an open source server component. So people are free to, to run their own servers. It's, it's not as sophisticated as Hockey App, but you can start with that for sure for beta testing and for crash reporting. But you wouldn't really want to do that because your time is better off polishing your app. That's what I would say. Oh, I used both servers because I developed them and started with them for over a year. But I wouldn't do that again because Hockey App is just like, I, I, co- I coded part of it, but it's, it's really just so much better. Okay, we're getting a question here. Why is it called hockey? Why, why hockey app? <laughs> I, I have the answer. I'm sorry, I have the answer. You have to let me give the answer. Go, Go ahead. Because are you, everybody should be familiar with the hockey stick sales curve. It starts out slow. And if you use this, this framework and this service, you will see a similar uptick in sales. Is that why? 
No, it's not. Go ahead, change your mind <laughs> and say that's why. <laughs> it would be it would have been a good one. Too bad. Um, the I, I'm not good at creating names. So for the open source frameworks, um, I started with the crash reporting. I just call that crash reporter demo. So nobody found that. And nobody, it's just people thought it's a demo, but it, it was really for active usage. Later on, I renamed that to Quincy Kit. Um, so that was the first one. But when, when I did the beta testing and inner updates, I thought I have to have a name and I couldn't come across one. So a friend of mine suggested hockey. And I, I also asked, why hockey? Well, it derived from ad hoc distribution. Oh, yeah, it's so clever. None of us would have ever got it. <laughs> right. But it's just a name. It's, it's a name, like Apple. I would say it's a name people are asking, why is it called like that? And but so it's a very, you've got the people interested. It's a great name. I mean, Quincy was worse, worse than Demo, uh, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> just not, not, not that John's trying to make you feel bad or anything, but that was rubbish. <laughs> No, but but the other way, the other explanation you can give is there's the uh, the quote that's attributed to what's his face Wayne Gretzky that Apple uh, Steve Jobs used to say is like you know you need to you need to ski, you need to skate to where the puck is going to be and the only way to do that is to know what's going on in your app so Absolutely. hockey lets you do that. Absolutely, great player, John. You spend too much time thinking about this sort of stuff. You really do. <laughs> It's what I do while I don't pay attention to what you're saying. <laughs> well, that's all the time then. Okay, so um, we've said all this stuff's available as open source, but yeah, the server stuff that holds it all together, gives you that integration, is um, the service that you're providing through Hockey App. Um, and as people have probably guessed, you've got to pay for it. This isn't a right. uh, something that's free. Um, uh, developers are pretty renowned for being... Oh, yes. Yeah, let's say not being particularly too willing to open the wallet to, to, for developer-type tools. Um, so you know, what sort of uh, money are they going to be talking for you to force their wallets out of their pockets? So the, the plans are... Well, everything is subscription-based. So you pay a monthly um, price, and it's starting at $10 a month, and then going up... Um, quite a bit higher so with ten dollars a month you can create five apps so five entries beta or live versions of your app you can use one slot for both together but we don't encourage that because you will just have so much data for life and other reasons and you have 250 megabyte of storage and i forgot what the rest was i think that's it so, so, so the, to, can you just just go through it again? So you get right. five, five apps, but you know, five apps doesn't mean five necessary five different apps. I might, right. I, think I might have misunderstood what you just said there. So we call it like five apps. Basically, it's five slot app slots. You could like you have one build, one target. You call it like a, a beta version for iOS, and you have a release version for iOS. You you, you consume two slots as we um, suggest to do. You could also use one slot for both together. One slot basically is one bundle identifier on a specific platform. That's a, the biggest restriction. So you can have a, a Mac app with the same bundle identifier and an iOS with a bundle identifier. It would be two apps on Hockey App. Okay, right to you. Uh, we suggest to use a, an extra slot for beta version. 
Okay. So you would have four for two apps, four slots. You have 250 megabytes storage for your DSM files and for your beta versions. You don't need to upload the, um, the binary, the app binary for your app store version. We only require the DSM bundle to be uploaded. And this, these count against the, the storage, the max storage. Any crash report you get, which is also a lot of data, if they sum up, they don't count against the storage. Right. So this is for your physical, the stuff you need to make it work. It's not for the data right. coming. Not the, yeah, is it unlimited for the amount of data coming back from the users? Right. It is. Okay, so 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 for an, an indie developer who's sitting out, got a couple of applications uh, that they're working on, um, you know, the, the ten ten bucks a month is is going to sort of keep them going for a little while, really. Well, usually it is. Well, some people get a problem if they have games with five hundred megabyte. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. Then you got the next plan, which storage costs money, and also the um, we host everything on S three. So we are sure that it's fast from all around the world. And so that, that's what you spend on. So, so you're, you're actually doing the, the, what do you call them? You have it replicated on all the right. other main Yes. Yeah. CloudFront, I, I think it's called. Okay, so, so if, if you have to go up to the next plan, which is 25 bucks a month, I mean, okay, you're looking at $300 a year to support your testing and um, crash reporting environment. You know, that's not many hours of developer no. time if you bring it down to that. And it's you know, if you cannot justify, you know, whatever your hourly rate is, it's not many hours. Right. Uh, if you so, and it's going to save you more than that. And so, really, if we're looking for a service such as this, and as you say, there are other things out there, but you know, this isn't a big. Uh, this is not a huge amount of money, is it, for people to spend? Depends on the point of view, I guess. Like as a developer starting up. And you don't earn any money yet. You, you you create your own game, for example. It it may sound like a lot of money, and um, you have to try it out. I'd say, and people should try it out to see what's good about it and how much it saves for them. You see, I'm I'm, I'm going to give a piece of indie advice here. Okay, it could be the most rubbish indie device you've ever heard in advice advice device that you've ever heard in your life, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Okay, because it's my show and I have that privilege. Right. If you are writing a game and you are putting that many hours into it and you do not think you can recover $300, then you, why are you writing your game? Unless you're doing it just for pleasure, of course, in which case you might not want to spend $300. That is totally understandable. But if you're doing something hoping to become a millionaire and you're not prepared to invest $300 in it, I think your business plan doesn't work. Well, I, or you should you should use another framework that I'm just about to, to unleash on GitHub, and it's similar concept of basically, but during an app crash, it pops up a panel that says, this app crashed and the developer doesn't care about you. Would you like to choose from one of these pre-formatted, very angry one-star reviews to post to the App Store? Well, yes, yes, or yes. But st- still, those people could host it themselves using the open source frameworks, right? So there's an option. How many hours is that going to take to set up and run and do everything? It doesn't matter. If you don't value your time, if you don't value your time, I mean, there, there, in all honesty, there are plenty of people who actually enjoy doing this stuff. Right, and, I mean, of course. People who like you know, recompiling a Linux kernel to, to add a new device. So, so um, two things to mention on that point, too. Like, there are yearly plans, which are starting from the $25, uh, are reduced compared to paying monthly. 
And um, there's another big feature, which if you're using a, a bug tracker, for example, uh, this would interest you because whenever a new crash comes in and it's identified as a unique crash, you can automatically create a, a ticket in your bug tracker or you can manually do it later. You can annotate the crash groups on Hockey App, write some notes. This is unimportant. This is an Apple bug, for example. And so you can integrate the system into your development process. So this that, is, and all features on all plans. So and, and you know, you say you can integrate into with the bug tracking software. I mean, that specific bug tracking software you support, or because uh, you do yeah. it automatically, or you're just saying I you get a report that does it. It's about ten systems that we support. A lot of bug trackers. So from Jira to Lighthouse, GitHub, Pivotal, and uh, what's Redmine and. Lots more. Yeah, I can't even, I can't even name 10 bug trackers. <laughs> there's nothing to, nothing yet to automatically file a radar based no. on that. <laughs> no, that's not. We, we should think about that. <laughs> I think it would be a fine idea. <laughs> right, okay, Andres. That's, um, okay, I'm going to cut you off in just a moment because we've run a little long, but I think yep. that was worth running long, and we had to make up a bit for John being late as well. Um, so we call it the John is late, but we can track his crashing episode um, or something like that. Uh, but before I cut you off, is there any you know thing that if you don't get to say, you're going to explode? Well, just people, developers, try it out and compare it to whatever you're using and doing today. There's the only risk to spending some time and trying out, and I really encourage you doing so. And give us feedback, whatever you like or don't like we are um, take a look at the release notes of hockey app itself it's on the main page um, we are constantly working and improving improving on all over the product and we're hoping and trying to do so in the future too and uh, are you prepared to give an estimation on when the mac side is going to be um available I can't. You can't. I can't. Oh, yeah, I was just going to find out if you were going to be <laughs> silly Sorry. and just succumb to our sort of media charm there, but you didn't. Uh, no, but, but, no, no. <laughs> I can give you one thing. Um, we have it partly integrated and running. We have a, a Mac application called Hockey Mac, which you can integrate into Xcode for automatic uploading of your DISM or whatever files you have, besides having APIs for Lots of end, with lots of endpoints for the various functions. So now this Hockey Mac app has Sparkle support, and it's open source, and it's running against the Hockey app servers. So we are working on it, and there's proof we are working on it. Well, and but I think it's pretty safe, and you can feel comfortable saying that you'll ship this before Moneywell too, though, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll, I'll take your silence to mean yes. <laughs> Oh dear, <laughs> Kevin, I am sorry. I can't control him. Oh dear, dear. Uh, okay, uh, you, you work in this industry. You're creating a serv- You're creating a service for this. Tell me, what's the difference between a beta and a release candidate? For myself, there is none. It just depends on your process. I'm sorry, John. Would you have an opinion on that? Uh, I wish I could get to that ideal. Yeah, I have no idea either. 
It's just it's applications. You mentioned money well too. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah, it, it's, no, lo- it's no longer in beta. It's in release candidate, but it's re- release candidate eight or eight hundred and fifty-two or something. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it's the switch. I'm guessing. I'm guessing maybe it's feature locked now or something. I don't know. But I thought that was the point of beta was to be feature locked. No, beta is feature locked. Alpha is is open, beta is feature locked. That's what I thought. But then again, maybe we could do a whole show on this and just really annoy everybody. (laughs) Chat room, what's the difference between beta and release candidate? Or what's the difference between alpha, beta and release candidate? Or pre-alpha, if something's come out on these days. Technology preview. Yeah, yes, technology preview, pre-alpha, alpha, beta, release candidate, and oh my word, we can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> yeah. Andreas, remind people where they can find out about you, where they can find Hockey App, um, how they can um, follow your bloggings and any information that you do, um, any information you wish to publicly give the world. This is your chance right now to share it with them. Thank you very much. My Twitter account is the real Kearney, which is T H E. R-E-A-L-K-E-R-N-I, the real Kearney. Um, you can find Hockey App also on Twitter at Hockey App. And the website and the service you can find at hockeyapp.net. Hope to see you there. Excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, John? Uh, well, my name is John Fox, and you can find me on Twitter as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And I would like to publicly announce that my goal in life is to be able to sell so many copies of Memory Miner for iOS because it will be so beautiful and, and well done and tested because I used Hockey App that I will then be able to travel the world and hold up pictures of myself and have it captured in the, the webcams that are displayed on the, the copy of Worldview Plus that you are all going to go out and buy today. <laughs> I hate it when I know a man's never going to see his dream come true. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Scotty. Um, I'm from iDeveloper TV. You can find all the information about this show and iDeveloper TV um, at the iDeveloper.tv website or follow the information on Twitter at at iDeveloper TV. Um, If you wish to follow me in my personal ramblings, I'm at MacDevNet on Twitter. Okay, this has been show 40. It's been a milestone. It's been it's been epic. Maybe we should have done it in beta first so that we could tweak a few bits, but there we are. We had a couple of crashes, but we survived. We survived, and we are making it into show 41 next week, which I have no idea what's going to be on. Chat room, tonight, you or today, or whenever you are, you have been fantastic. You've asked some good questions. You've behaved yourselves, mostly. Um, there's a few people in there we don't recognize and there's a lot of people who turn up every single week and to them I say thank you, thank you, thank you very much and until next time oh dear I haven't cued the music I'm going to have to waffle on a bit longer now Uh, until next time I'm going to say to you all you take care Thank you.